0: We're going to turn now to the end of this current series, uh, which we've called The Thriving Life, and we're going to look at the book of Deuteronomy. If you've got Bibles, you grab it open in front of you, chapter 5, but don't worry, the words are going to come up on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 5, reading from verse 32 and into chapter 6. So be careful to do what the Lord, has, your God, has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in this land that you will possess. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you, uh, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, which is a land for large flourishing cities that you didn't build, houses filled with all kinds of good things that you didn't provide, wells you didn't dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant, then when you eat and are satisfied of those things, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. May God speak to us today. I wonder, are you good at going to the doctors? If there was a spectrum of going to the doctors and on one end, you're just a name on a rotor that's in their database and you've never been because you can't stand going to the doctors, that's one end of the spectrum. And on the other end of the spectrum is you quite enjoy going to the doctors because it's 10 minutes to talk about yourself. If there's a spectrum here Where are you on that spectrum? Love going to the doctors? Can't stand going to the doctors. Where are you on that spectrum? Spend just a minute talking with a person around nearby, whether you're that person. If you are a doctor, it'd be interesting to know how they feel about going to the doctors as well. Let's talk together. Where are you on that spectrum? Somebody suggested that we should now do a sort of experiment where we get everybody in a line to find out, but we're not gonna do that, so, so don't worry about that. To me, I'm nearer this end. I'm not right at the end. I don't mind going to the doctors, but I just, I'm, I'm not a big fan. And the reason I'm not a big fan is because I'm the sort of person that wants a quick fix. I want to be able to go to the doctor, boom, get it sorted, have a pill, whatever it is, boom, on your way. Sadly, life is not always like that, is it? And um, I've had to go to the doctors a little bit recently to do with my voice and things like that. And of course, you're going hoping for a pill, and then what happens is. Give you exercises <laughs> and things that you need to do which will take months to live out and then will gradually change things. I want quick fix, but actually for lasting change, it's about the long haul, isn't it? And We live in a culture in which we want quick fixes for things where we can just plug something in, boom. Where we can get whatever we want at the click of a button. Or we can just look online by opening an app and we discover all the information we need. I was reading just the other day about the decline of pub quizzes because of course people now can get all the information instantly. We live in a society in which we long for the quick fix and yet we all know in our lives the things of lasting value, friendships, relationships, health, is about the long haul Not just immediate things. I can decide to run a marathon to keep me fit, but actually it's going to do me more good if I do regular runs. And the same is true in our faith. We want quick fixes. We want to be able to pray, and boom, it happens. If we're followers of Jesus, we want to be all out for Christ, and we want to be able to go to an event to get a spiritual injection, and boom, all is sorted of course life is not like that just ask the the couple that have been married 50 years to speak to a couple who have been married two months and the couple who have been married 50 years will look at the couple who have been married two months and admire their zeal and passion but they'll have that glowing glint in their eyes to realize actually relationships are founded in the long haul and of course that's the same for all friendships all relationships they're endured through the long haul aren't they? Well in this series, we're gonna end today by talking about moving from the now to the not yet. We've been talking about having thriving lives and how in our society, many of us aren't thriving with the pressures of life, with the responsibilities we face, with the expectations that are on us. Many of us with all the opportunities we have actually aren't thriving as we hoped. That's certainly true in society and it's certainly true for many of us in church even. And yet, we've been discovering, haven't we, that actually God offers us something, that actually if we get our perspectives right and we root our lives in Jesus, in that relationship with him, there is the possibility of a thriving life, that actually we're able to thrive regardless of our circumstances. And today, we're ending by focusing on the now, moving from that to being people who focus on the not yet And that's certainly true for God's people in the passage we read. They're on the edge of the land that they've been promised. And into that, God gives them these these 10 commandments, guidelines for the way of life. And we see what the possibility is. Let me read verse 33 again. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that... You may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. A thriving life is a possibility for us. And so in this, I think there's a calling that is on us of what that looks like. And then we'll see the fruit of living into that calling. And then we'll come to a caution at the end. So here is the calling that is on all of us. The calling is very simple. Think beyond yourself. Think beyond your immediate life. Think beyond you. Think to what is coming after you, what the legacy is that you will leave behind. Uh, those may, some of you may know, I'm married to a farmer's daughter. And if you know any farmers, they cannot live in the immediate. They have to live, live to what is ahead. So they plant seed now for what will be coming. And the same is true for us. We're called, according to these words in Jerusalem, to live now for what will be beyond us. Let me read to you verse six and seven. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So it's not just about you, but impress them on your children. Why? Well, we read it, verse two and three. So that your children, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Be careful to obey so that there may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. It's very simple. Think beyond yourself to your children and their children and their children and the generations beyond us. In other words, move from thinking of the now to the not yet. And that's the calling on us all. And now it's an obvious thing for parents. If we're parents, it's pretty straightforward. We would get that. If we're followers of Jesus, we would know we're called to pass on that mandate to those uh, that we have the privilege of being in our care that God has given to us. But it's beyond parents. Do you notice who this is said to? This isn't said to parents. This is said to the community. Your children. Not just yours. All of us. This is to God's people. Impress them on your children and their children and their children's children and so on and so on. So we all, whether we have our own children as it were, we get the privilege of being partners together as a community and investing in generations beyond us. And so that we get the opportunity to be a role model to children, the next generation. We get the opportunity to partner with people and say, here, I'll come around, let me take your kids, or, or, or let me let me sort of invest in them, let me speak truth into them, let me give them encouragement. Which is why here at Riverside, We've got such a healthy emphasis on children's ministry and youth ministry and what RPA do and so many things because we long for the legacy to be beyond us as individuals. And it's thrilling, isn't it, to see all of that. But it's not just that. In your workplace, you have the possibility of making an impact now that will live on long beyond you. So that you can build foundations that people that become after you may build on those and create real lasting change. If you're in education, it's obvious. You might be the, the, have the possibility and the privilege of investing in children's lives that will go on to change the world. Wow. If you've got relatives... Nieces, nephews, good friends who've got kids, whatever it may be, we have the all corporate responsibility and joy and privilege of impressing on them the good news of Christ. And I'd love it if we do something. Put your hands up if in this room you are involved in education in any way. Put your hand up. Okay, great. Keep those hands up, please. Put those hands up if you're involved in any of the children's or youth or any ministry that invests in the next generation within Riverside. Keep your hands up. Everyone put their hands up. If you've got anyone in your kind of community group setting or in your small group setting that uh, have family and kids and all that, put your hands up as well. We all have a massive possibility and a massive opportunity And why don't you, today, after this service, go up to somebody that you know of that is doing a really good job at this and say, thank you for investing in our kids. Thank you for all that you're doing for being a brilliant role model. Thank you for taking time out to care for them so they know something of the care of Jesus. After that, would we do that? Go up to people and say, thank you, well done. But also, I'm guessing a good chunk of us were invested in when we were younger. People that cared for us, people that nurtured us, people that looked after us, maybe even people that taught us about Jesus. Why not today or over the next few days, let's say thank you to them. Just take a moment and say thanks for doing this. It really had an impact on me, thank you. I was reading the other day about John Wesley. John Wesley started the Methodist movement, very fiery preacher back in the day in the 1800s. And he said this to all Methodist preachers in training, So these were people that were training to become Methodist preachers. Listen to what he said. Where there are 10 children in a society, we must meet them at least an hour every week. Talk with them whenever we see any of them at home. Pray in earnest for them. Diligently instruct and vehemently exhort all parents at their own houses. Some will say, I have no gift for this. Gift or no gift, you are to do this or else you are not called to be a Methodist preacher. Do it as you can, till you can, do it as you would. Pray earnestly for the gift and use every help God has put in your way in order to obtain it. It's incredible. If we want to be involved in speaking out for Christ, we do it for all. For the not yet generations as well as the now. And there's two very clear ways that they're called to do this. Firstly, they're called to teach the truths of what a godly life looks like. Do you see that verse six and seven? These commandments that I give to you today, be on your hearts, impress them on your children. In other words, instructions about what a godly lifestyle looks like and the things that please God, the things that may not please God, we, we kind of know that. But do you notice, impress them on your hearts as you impress them on your children. So it's not just instructing others if we're not living ourselves so it starts with us and then we share out so the truths of a godly life but secondly telling the story of god's rescue do you see that they get into this land there's the promise and the warning is this but be careful that you do not forget the lord who brought you out of egypt out of the land of slavery so it's not just teaching what a godly life looks like it's actually pointing people to the grace of christ the forgiveness that is only in jesus the hope beyond the grave that is in christ we're all called to do that to be a part of it as a community and so here's the question what areas are there in which we might need to shift focus a little bit i heard a story recently uh, the pastor of a large church in america a church called north point community church you may know of it it's a massive kind of one of these massive churches in the us and this church was started about 30 years ago i think 20 years or something like that and it was started by the pastor and his family and then another kind of other two or three different people couples and all that a- and this pastor who is still the pastor now, was telling the story about how recently one of the founding couples with him and his family had come to him and said, we are leaving the church. And he wanted to know why. Uh, Because this church was set up really to reach that generation. And all the music was in that particular way and it was all done in that particular way. Uh, And this couple said, we're leaving because it's just not what it used to be, you know. And things have changed and it's just the music's different now and it's just not really for us and do you know what the senior pastor said he said thank you for telling me that that's really good news isn't it because isn't it good that we're not doing things how we used to do them that actually we're trying to change things to reach out to a new generation in other words what he was saying is it's not just for you it's for those after you and so in terms of the music he particularly was talking about It may be that it isn't your bag and that's a brilliant thing because it might be others. And so if the volume or the style of music or the songs or whatever aren't for you, maybe just maybe it's not meant just for you and actually it's a really good thing for other people. There are a million different ways we are called to do this and have the immense privilege and opportunity to invest in the next generation. Praise God that we are a family in which we are doing this and we can continue to do this so that's the calling Uh, but briefly then look at the fruit if we do this if God's people do this the fruit is really obvious what will happen is clear according to the Bible it's brilliant verse 2 you you teach them to their children and your children and so on so that you may enjoy long life that's a good one verse 3 so that it may go well with you that's a good one as well and thirdly so that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as your God promised you Verse 33, as we read earlier, so that you may live long and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you'll possess. Those are all good things, aren't they? If we do this, says the writer of Deuteronomy, good things will happen, thriving lives will happen because it will be a thriving community. And isn't it fantastic that in our society today, I was thinking about this, where else do we see where all ages and all stages get to be together as equal in a community. Where they share their opportunity to just celebrate and be family together. Beyond the immediate families, where else in society do we have gatherings of all ages and all stages? They're rare. So that others might see the family environment of all ages, stages, backgrounds and diversity and all of that and say, wow, you've got something good going on. That's the kind of society we want to be in. Come, let me investigate why you're like this. And so parents, can I say, well done. For those that are really doing all you can to pray for your kids, to try and be a good godly parent, to try and just point them in the right direction, to try, you know, bedtime and all this, as you come and go, just trying to help them see something of Jesus, well done, well done. You may have all sorts of questions about how you're doing, but keep, keep going. And if you're a friend or or a family member of someone with kids in the next generation, And you've really kind of owned those and you're kind of really sort of taking them on board and praying for them. You have God children or whatever it may be and you're looking after them, you're helping out, you're babysitting or whatever it may be. Well done. You're having a massive impact. It was a thrill for me recently to be able to go back to the church I was at when I was at Bible college. And there, it was great to see a guy who had come back from university. And this guy had become a Christian in the youth group. uh, And came from a background in which, you know, no sort of framework about church or God or anything. Became a Christian because he fancied a girl in the youth group. And the story went on. And it was so thrilling to see now this young man at university living all out for Jesus, leading his Christian union, bringing others to Jesus. Friends, we have the opportunity, and it is happening to be an impact way beyond us as we invest in our children and young people in the generations after us. Wow. That's the kind of thing we have the opportunity to be a part of. Friends, who in your sphere are you able to invest in to care, to nurture, to look after, to pray? That's the fruit. But as we come to the third thing, I have to read some of the saddest verses in the Bible. I think these verses are really troubling. They're saddening for me. I'm sure they were saddening to the people that first read them. Because look at what happened. So, at the beginning of the book of Judges, it's all going well. Listen. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land that they'd been promised, each to their own inheritance. Brilliant. It's living out. It's working. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who'd seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Fantastic. Fan dozy. It's all going brilliantly. Well done. They're living it out, aren't they? And then you read these words. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he'd done for Israel. And then (laughs) the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Some of the most troubling, disturbing words I think you could read. A whole generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for them. And of course, look what it leads to. Doing evil in the eyes of the Lord and serving the other gods. And if you don't know what kind of stuff they were involved with, all sorts of horrific stuff, including things like child sacrifice and horrible, horrible, horrible things. Because a whole generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for them. And that knowing is not information, is it? They'd had no experience of him. They didn't even know the stories of what God had done for them. As I was preparing this, it struck me that I would guess that a good chunk of us in this room feel the weight of this. I know there are people in this room for whom hearing this, reading this is troubling because of feelings of how they've done, questions about whether they could have done different things or... Or hopes that you've got for your life, and you don't have your own kids, and you're not quite sure whether you have an opportunity like this. I want to say two things. It was really encouraging in the first service. Somebody gave a word that was just really encouraging as a parent of somebody whose own children had gone away from God and later in adult life had come back to Christ. The word was given just as a reminder and encouragement for those in that situation there is always a way back, God is always at work. And you never, never know. Keep on praying. But also beyond that, I do want to say that this is not directed to just parents. This is directed to all. And so therefore, ultimately, we all have the responsibility, not just you, for your kids. And thirdly, I do want to say, do you notice what the responsibility is and what they didn't do? They didn't even know about the Lord Ultimately, they had their own choice. If they knew they'd been told things and they made the choice not to do it, well, that's their responsibility, isn't it? But these guys, a the whole generation grew up, they didn't know anything. They'd never even been instructed anything. So friends, if you're a parent or you feel the weight of this and you're falteringly trying to do this, you can be free. God is at work through you even in ways you might not see. And for those for whom there's a sadness about your own family or others in your sphere that aren't walking with the Lord as they once were, keep on praying because God is always at work bringing people back to him so that one day we might all be able to say, thank you, Jesus. And so as I close, we want to be a church who are thinking not just for now, but not yet which is why we do things like all-age services, which is why we have such an emphasis on Fridays and other times for our youth group, which is why we do all these sort of home groups, which is why we've got community groups where we encourage kind of all ages to get involved, which is why we're always calling for more people to get stuck into those activities so that we might be a people who truly, truly, truly see generations beyond us changing the planet in the name of Jesus. May it be so. Let's pray together. Should we stand? Let's pray. I'm going to pray a prayer of confession. Because as it's on the screen, we long to be a thriving church for the thriving city in the full sense of that word. And I'm going to confess that there will be times that all of us in some way may have been thinking just about us rather than thinking wider than us. And I'm also going to ask God that he would give us his strength to keep on thinking beyond us. Whoever we are, whatever responsibilities God's given to us. Father, we are so sorry if there's been ways that we've got this wrong. Please forgive us. Lord, we are frail, faltering. There'll be all sorts of things where we've just dropped the ball. or, uh, Lord, hear our intentions in our hearts today. Please forgive us and please have mercy, we pray. And Lord, would you give us the strength to think next generation. to Think about the legacy, the shadow that we leave behind us. And Lord, may you in your goodness do good things through us. And we pray this for the name of Jesus, in His name we pray. Oh man, we're gonna.